Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Head over to audibletrial.com slash jumbled and get your free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. We've got more information on this great sponsor coming up later in the show. But for now, let's just get into it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Jumbled, your favorite podcast about nothing. I'm Zach. I'm Johnny. And today we have a very special guest, uh, entrepreneur, genius, mad scientist, and is going to tell us about how the world's going to end, at least how I think the world's going to end. Um, our dear friend, Greg. Greg, welcome to Jumbled. Hey, hey Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, great intro. Great intro. Was that... Was that too sensual for you? Welcome to Jumbled. Yeah. Yeah, John, very, John put on a sexy voice for me. I like that. Very late night FM radio voice. Right there. That was actually an AM radio voice right there. Was that? Oh, that is an AM radio. That's My dad a always very said I had AM a face radio. for radio. So, <laughs> Boy, <laughs> was he right. I found my calling. Anyways, uh, before we get to uh, Jumbled, um, so the topic of tonight is artificial intelligence Machine learning, Skynet, all of those oh, things. Skynet too, eh? Greg, Greg is our, our resident expert. Um, yeah. He studies. I'm going to do your, your bio really bad bad justice oh, here. Oh, please do. Watch me butcher this. <laughs> uh, so I call Greg Dr. Greg, even though he doesn't have a PhD, but I'm fairly confident he has two master's degrees in mathematics and like computer science or something. He's a entrepreneur who has a pretty kick-ass musical app that's based around machine learning. So he obviously knows a thing or two um, and clearly has a passion for this world, which is why we brought him on to, you know, basically confirm my my fears that robots are going to kill us all. Unless the aliens save us, but that will be oh, next week with Jer. What what was the name of the uh, the alien that you guys were talking about? The Area Fifty One alien. Oh, what was his name? That was following you around and probing a lot of probing. Oh god oh, damn yeah. it! That's gonna bug me now. I was thinking about it earlier. Uh, you know what? We we never made a T-shirt or anything to commemorate. And this this is why the Booty Bandit. Um, his name was something Booty Bandit. <laughs> yeah, right. Fuck, he's gonna come uh, back. J J Rod, J Rod, J Rod. That's yeah, right. Totally J Rod. Boy, J Rod. J Rod's gonna save the day from Skynet. Okay, Greg. Real question on a scale yeah. from one to ten. How concerned about AI should I be? Um, in our generation, like right now. Yes, like in my oh. lifespan, thinking I have roughly twenty years left to live. That's pretty low. <laughs> Very low. What high risk lifestyle are you living? <clears throat> well, Greg, did you you missed the motor. part where he just did. He shot direct. He direct line. He mainlined some uh some black tar heroin just like two minutes ago. Man, you weren't in paying attention. No, your butthole. Sense. It goes real quick. Though. No, it was in your dick. <laughs> it was in your dick, dude. You no, you got to meet right in the middle. You go from both sides. Oh, fair. Okay. So, um, I I would say a one out of ten. A one, really? Yeah. In yeah. twenty years, a so straight now, up one, maybe zero point five out of ten. Nothing okay. to worry about. The deep fake uh, stuff and, is and what I'd say that the rationale behind that is. Um, so I, I I think everyone in this this world of of AI, we don't really get that question a lot because everyone kind of knows where AI is at, and I think that the media 
over sensationalizes a lot of advancements in in AI and and makes it seem like maybe there's a Skynet situation because it's it's cool to think about science fiction in that way and uh, and to that point if you think about where we were in in 1980 or you know when I was born in, in uh, the late 80s and thinking about growing up without internet and bam now we're in a world in an era with internet and we can share things instantaneously and there's so many advancements in technology that's it's mind-boggling and insane to think that I have to explain to my employees simple <laughs> simple things about broadband modems and and the sound that it makes when you're trying to get on the internet and oh, they're just oh, like yeah. I don't I don't get it and and saying like mom get off the phone right come on Napster they'll never know the real suffering dial up dude that was the worst yeah. 56k oh man but lovely are, aren't we learning like faster and exponentially than before so like are we not is that curve not catching up because we're getting smarter and then there's always the argument of like ai is not a risk until it becomes like conscious i guess or whatever and then it starts programming itself because then it will learn faster than we can like what about all that shit you hear about on some conspiracy stuff or obviously you know sci-fi nerds maybe fan fiction that's basically saying that once we turn the switch on we can't turn it off and it will grow faster than we can control it so yeah so that that's sort of what i'm talking about with, with sci-fi and how it's kind of implanted that um that notion in our brain about what ai is and where it's headed mm-hmm. um i think currently right now um we're at a stage where we have not general ai so general ai i would say is uh, something that's an autonomous machine. It makes decisions for itself, um, whether or not it's it's sentient enough to be able to program um, its own routines mm-hmm. and uh, and really tweak its own code and stuff like that. That's kind of another conversation. Um, so that that's general AI. So basically, if you think of Battlestar Galactica, where um, they they used to have robots that looked like robots, they were basically tin cans. And then eventually they evolved and came back and then they looked like humans and they were trying mm-hmm. to figure out um, essentially a Turing test, right? Like if you can sit across from a, uh, a robot and have a conversation with them behind a screen and not be able to peg whether they're a robot or a human. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's essentially, you know, Alan, mm-hmm. Alan Turing's test, right? Um, so that's a general AI, right? We're nowhere close to that. Nowhere close. Although a lot of Japanese YouTube videos would have you think otherwise. <laughs> with all the synthetic <laughs> beings and you know all that shit but oh sure so, uh, uh what is it uh so uh sophia yeah yeah right. so sophia and she she kind of has a, a famous this is again um an instance where the media completely over sensationalized um you know something in the ai world um so sophia went on a on a talk show um mm-hmm. and there's some clips on youtube that you can look up after um and she says something like you know i'm gonna take over the world or something like that and then right. the media outlets just went insane and uh, they're like see see she's gonna kill they're gonna kill us all they're gonna kill us all um but yeah. yeah so my point is right now we're very far from general ai where we're programming autonomous robots that you know think for themselves have feelings are able to respond rationally to questions um mm-hmm. and and questions that that aren't known beforehand um, right now, we're in very much in the age of specialized AI. So if you think of um, the very simplest version of AI, so like a machine learning problem called classification, where you, you feed it um, data 
and it just says in the simplest case binary like is it a cat is it not a cat um and there's a lot of like google uh image ai things that just is it a cat or not a cat the famous example being in uh silicon valley the show about startups where Jin Yang oh, yeah. makes the makes the program hot dog or no hot dog right and then it gets picked up <laughs> <Right>. to <laughs> in, a, in a way that he didn't expect it where um you know it's it's flagging dicks in in pictures and, <laughs> and video streams yeah, 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 and stuff yeah, like yeah. that right um yeah. so that's that's a very specialized ai and to do that, you would take a whole <laughs> bunch of pictures of hot dogs or penises or vaginas mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and then tag. So a human would have to go through that whole data set. What a wonderful job that would be, tagging penises Dibs. and vaginas. Dick, not dick. Dick, not dick. Dick, dick. And you just go through this whole data set, and eventually the machine would be like, yeah, I've seen this before. That's a giant penis. Seeing this dick pattern. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, so that that would be specialized AI. Uh, it's very well suited to a specific task. Um, at my company, Fredible, we take in audio recordings of musicians and we output uh, basically whether a pitch is on or off. Uh, so a pitch being, you know, a note, if you think on a piano keyboard. Um, so there's 88 different notes that could have been played and we just basically binarize it. So we say off on for every single note and then write that to sheet music for musicians. Um, so again, mm. nothing... Like, it's cool AI, don't get me wrong. And we, we feed it a whole bunch of training examples of, you know, guitarists playing Metallica songs and, like, a whole bunch of stuff so it learns what, what music is. Doesn't mean that it really understands music. I mean, it sort of does. Like, it understands harmonic content of music. And... Or that it could create music itself. Um, yeah, so there, there's kind of two versions of, of AI. Um, one mm-hmm. is uh, inferential AI. So mm-hmm. it's, it's machines, well, basically machine learning AI that makes decisions. Um, sure. So whether that's um, uh, like predicting stock prices, for example, or mm-hmm. for insurance, trying to predict um, uh, insurance premiums, like how risky an individual is, um, sure. to classification, which is basically like on off. Is it is it in this group of things or, or not in this group of things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's generative AI. And generative AI is basically... I'm going to learn from a whole bunch of data in this domain and I'm going to use that to make a perception of my world around me and mm-hmm. use that as essentially prototypes to create new things in that vein. So a very similar or a very familiar example that came out somewhat recently was they took um, a whole corpus of Beethoven music and trained the machine to, to think about it and get familiar with the patterns that he uses and then said, okay, now that you know all about that, generate me a brand new Beethoven song, even though he's been dead mm. uh, for years, right? So that's generative AI. Um, so kind of two very, very different streams. So uh, my company is inferential. Uh, so mm-hmm. we take audio and we just write out uh, the notes that were played uh, rather sure. than generating new music. Um, gotcha. And certainly like- in, in the artistic world, um, people have a lot of issues with generative AI because sure. it's going to take away, you know, all the creative freedoms of, of artists. And, and there's sure. a whole, like, not just in my field in, in a lot of different fields, like it's going to put mm-hmm. a lot of people out of work and stuff like that. Right. Right. Mm. right. I like that you summarized probably what 15, 10 years of education and <laughs> profession 
in research it's incredible <laughs> to yeah basically we take a note and we say is it this note or not and then we put it on a piece of paper that's literally <laughs> all i do <laughs> <laughs> it's literally all i do it's so much more complex than that it's but... really not it, everyone everyone thinks that machine learning is just like wonderful black magic sort of thing and to some extent yeah you're a is. fucking wizard <laughs> a data wizard um but but honestly it's it's like yes it does require some mathematics and stuff like that but at the core that's that's what it's doing you're just sending it examples of things that you wanted to learn and Mm -hmm. saying this is what it is and then posing new things that it hasn't seen before and just hoping that it's able to generalize and and make make smart decisions about new stuff that's machine learning (laughs) so did was that Beethoven example a real example? Yeah, no, that's yeah. that's a real example. I, yeah, did I you think did I it release that. the music? Did you hear the music? Was it any good? Um, no, I think I did hear it. Um, it, I think it was. I think we need to fact check this, but I think it was Google Magenta. Um, so I think it's yeah, part of their Google Brain I, team I were, um, yeah. that was working on that. Um, anyways, I think that there's a whole bunch of news articles that you can go and and look up um, and kind of see the examples and stuff like that. Hmm um but what yeah ab- was... what about sorry what about what about the two ais that they fired up in front of each other and they created their own language do you do you, um myth that one? Oh, so that was um myth. that was facebook i believe they put two chatbots against each other yeah. um and they essentially from what i understand i i read the article pretty briefly but it seemed like they just uh learned a quicker shorthand way to communicate with each other so Mm. it wasn't necessarily um in coherent english that that you and i would send information through um Mm. almost like like a code i would say so for example if you and i wanted to speak to each other um and we did this a lot so for example like you and ali um you probably get very good at reading her and Mm -hmm being able to communicate her with the least amount of words possible so it's almost like you two have a code kind of going back and forth that's essentially from what i understand uh what the computers were doing with each other Hmm. yeah interesting all right so there's actually i want to quickly segue into that um so there's a third area of machine learning um that's kind of rampant right now and is actually pretty cool it's been around since um the late 70s early 80s but it's called reinforcement learning and uh, the segue here is um, it often ends with really weird outcomes. Um, so things that you wouldn't expect it to come up with um, mm-hmm. to reach a, an objective or, or a task. And you just you don't tell it um, how to do something. You just tell it what to do in terms of like, what's your objective? What's your goal? So, for example, yeah. if you're teaching uh, a reinforcement learning um, robot to walk, you wouldn't say how to move your limbs. You just say get to point A and give it rewards if it gets closer mm-hmm. to point A. And wait, don't wait, give wait, it a reward wait, 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 wait. if it's um, going anywhere, you know, in an orientation that's not towards A, right? How do you reward the program? Um, so it's it's based on dopamine in the human brain. Um, so every time that we do something good in our yeah. head, right? So whether that's, you know, we win at gambling or, yeah, we jerk off, Johnny, yeah. Um, I'm serious. Oh, that's a, that's a huge so dopamine hit. It is. 
Um, so anytime that, that we get a dopamine hit in our brain, we say, I want to do that again. That felt awesome. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. And that's how we reinforce our behaviors. So we're going to keep doing behaviors that, that give us dopamine, right? And for every, yeah. every person, that's different what that dopamine hit is, right? Um, mm-hmm. So same thing with machines, right? Um, so the goal of the machine, so what you program the machine to learn is how do I maximize my reward how do i maximize the amount of digital dopamine that i'm getting and that's your mm-hmm. that's its sole objective i just i don't care how i do this i just want to explore a whole bunch of different things that i can do in my world whatever that is and i just want the maximum amount of reward that i can possibly get um mm-hmm. so this was coming back to alan turing um so the guy that made the turing mm-hmm. the turing test um this was his proposed method of of training machines so instead of um imposing um, thoughts about how a machine should reason and do things. You think about the machine as a child, a little baby, just like, you know, if you bring a human child into this world, it knows nothing about anything around it. And you basically reinforce it. If it does something that you like, you give it, you know, yeah, pat on the back, you give it a food reward, something like that. And eventually it learns that that was a good thing to do. I, you know, I, I learned something, right? And it's more mm. likely to do that again. Um, so same thing with, with machines. Um, and really, really funny things happen. So um, uh, Google's team uh, was trying to teach a wireframe body uh, to run and just said, go to point A, and it comes up with just the wackiest ways to run with like arms flailing and stuff like that, trying to get momentum to move forward. And it's absolutely absurd to watch. It's another really- Sounds terrifying. It is terrifying. How big is this thing? What's that? <laughs> How big is this thing? No, it's a it's a virtual uh, oh, okay. wireframe model. Um, oh, okay. So yeah, you I can search say, it up on- And is it plugged in? Because that's, that's you know I think the easy solution to Skynet is just don't build a robot that has legs or hands and make it be hardwired so you can just unplug the fucker. <laughs> so you basically want to make a nugget robot. No arms, no legs, just just, just sit there and yeah. ponder about the world. Not yeah. not on not on an internet connection, just on a network a local network connection. Well, of course, exactly. if, we, if we learned anything from Battlestar Galactica, it's that you know, you have to segregate your networks. They can't be connected to the outside. That's yes. a very Correct. good concept. Okay. But for real though, how like what is the digital dopamine? Like, how do you, do you, do you pre-program that program to say when shit. this happens, this is a positive or is it like, how do you, how do you compliment? It's a or shit ton of ones and no zeros. Just, just fucking hammering that one key. Is that like, how does that work? So basically there's a counter that mm-hmm. you probably name the variable reward and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's basically a loop and the, it's called an agent so the the robot will be in a particular state in the in its environment Mm -hmm. um and it has a whole bunch of options so you program what are the steps that it could take um Mm -hmm. so what kind of actions could i take at any particular time and it'll go ahead and take an action and then you will give it a reward and you'll say that was a good thing to do that was a bad thing to do um, so you can make up what, how big that dopamine hit is. So a one, a two, mm. a three, a four. Um, so you kind of make That's that reward. Terrifying. Um, so there's, there's something called exploration, um, versus exploitation. And it's mm-hmm. kind of exactly what humans do all the time. So exploration 
if you think about you in a new situation that you've never been in before, you're going to try and explore a lot of different options because you don't really know what's good, right? So, for example, yeah. um, when I go get bubble tea, when I first started drinking bubble tea, I was like, what the fuck is bubble tea? I have no idea. I'm just going to try a whole bunch of different bubble teas. And then eventually... the most correct thing ever. I'll just get one of all of them. Yeah. And then I'll decide. Yeah. So I did that. I, I tried almost every single flavor of bubble tea. And then I realized that you could have combinations of bubble tea. So then oh I was having... God. So eventually I came upon uh, watermelon honeydew. And now I just exploit, exploit, exploit every single time. I know that that's the highest dopamine hit for my brain. And I just exploit the shit out of, out of uh, honeydew watermelon. I... I've known you for at least 15 years. And I think I just finally figured out how your brain works. And I'm absolutely terrified. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I do when I go to a place that I don't know? I mean, I'll eat anything. We talked about last week how I tried prairie oysters for the first time. I'll put just about anything in my mouth. But when I go to a place that... That I've never been before. I look at the menu and my default is, because I'm a fat piece of shit, is what's the biggest? Mm-hmm. What has the most meat or substance that I enjoy the most? Mm-hmm. And then what is closest to something that I know I like? And then I just get that and then I exploit, exploit, exploit. Yeah. So you, you've just I'm defined your fuck. reward function. <laughs> That's literally your reward function. That's what makes you happy. So you, you oh. have conditioned yourself through but getting a reward if, in the past to, to, to making that action again, right? But what mm-hmm. if my bubble tea experience is a faster way to get smaller rewards and yours took a long time, but you're getting that big payout? Like, there's probably so much in this world that that I'm, you know, missing out. I got to go get bubble tea. John, welcome. You just described the whole <laughs> research methodology and the current <laughs> state of research in reinforcement learning. I'm a brilliant. <laughs> I made it. Look, Mom, that's that's I'm literally smart. what researchers are trying to figure out right now. Oh wow, interesting. Yeah. Do I do I explore yeah, in the hope that I find something better, or do mm-hmm. I exploit and try and accumulate a lot of really small rewards? Or maybe it is mm-hmm. the best already. Who knows, right? Hmm. I find this very interesting that this this question is being approached. Obviously, it has been from philosophers. But now from scientists and robots, what an interesting question and different ways to approach it. Well, I I think less like there is some philosophical elements in it. Like, um, what am I doing? Why am I here? But that's more existential uh, Mm. for for like a a non-sentient computer. I think it's more like biology related. So we're kind of looking at biological functions and we're Mm. trying to look at things that we know or we really don't know a lot about the human brain. Um, I think oh, we no. like to think that we know a lot more, but but we really don't know how the hell it works. It's basically mm-hmm. a black box. Right. Um, but we're basically trying to emulate um, biological functions, um, and that's a lot of a lot of machine learning algorithms <clears throat> and and things in machine learning and and AI and and reinforcement mm-hmm. learning. They're all just trying to emulate how humans do stuff. Um, so if you've so, heard probably like a lot of neural network stuff, that's all like mm-hmm. kind of mim- mimicking how uh, how neurons in the brain fire, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like we're just kind of looking at what humans do and and trying to emulate that because humans are smart. So let's start there. Sure. 
I think I think once we get to the point and and this is probably not happening, but I, th- I feel like once we get to the point where with reinforced learning, they figure out how to do the thing, whatever whatever the goal is. If they if they start getting curious or doing things that are like uh, opposite of what you're expecting, but just hoping to find some other reinforcement you know what i'm saying i don't know if that's i don't know if that's like way far off in the distance but um, are you basically saying like what happens if we tell that wire program to be like yo figure out how to walk to here and then it decides fuck that it's not worth the reward i'm gonna do my own thing yeah or it's figured out how to walk to there and now it you know wants to figure out what the next objective is. first it walks to point b and then it's walking all over you as it kills you because it's a sentient robot with a gun for an arm (laughs) logical jump right there what is that company i think it's called uh, they're called boston dynamics the robot company they've created some uh really amazing robots there's one of them that shit why do we gotta fuck with that there's one that looks like a dog goat brachiosaurus and it like (laughs) can climb yeah, the, upstairs and it open can like doors that one the t-rex fucking yeah it's got the little robot? the mouth it unloads the dishes and shit for you yeah i mean that's, that's they're gonna be they're gonna be making you. yeah they're gonna be making war war weaponry like like that's the next step god damn it america <laughs> <laughs> like i like how it's immediately america well it's boston it's fucking america let's be honest yeah i mean it's fair we didn't celebrate Fourth of July together. I made a list of funny things. We'll have to go back on that. <laughs> Fucking America. Um, okay, Greg. So one thing that you said there that really caught my attention was talking about AI functioning in like the seventies. And I everyone I feel like thinks that AI is a current thing or just you know, we just discovered this within the last few years. Mm-hmm. So what are some areas that you probably think would be stupid for us not to know um but where ai's existed that we use on a day-to-day basis that people don't recognize it that's that's a really good question um so the first neural network was programmed by a guy named rosenblatt um in the united states um in the late 60s i forget the actual date i think like 69 or 68 or something like that um so neural Mm. networks which are the huge craze right now everyone's throwing around the term deep learning um, mm-hmm. it, it, I mean, it was founded in the 60s. Um, it, the, the issue back then was that we didn't have the computing power to actually fire through all of the neurons um, you know, that we do now. We have all of this computing power at our disposal now um, and right. rented, rented servers um, that we can just you know, spin up at a snap of our fingers, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that's why, that's why we've kind of seen this resurgence of of um a lot of uh deep deep learning um sort of things just because we have the computing power available um but stepping back even further than that like in the 50s um people were doing artificial intelligence um even on pen and paper like figuring out algorithms uh to to do intelligent things um so if you think of um kind of any video game um that does pathfinding so a lot of strategy games like um warcraft 3 um any of those like the the blizzard Mm -hmm. uh, starcraft ones um if you click on uh, a unit and tell it to go to anywhere on the map 
Um, it does so somewhat intelligently. Sometimes you you know fist the desk right because it picks a stupid path. Um, but for the most part, um, it reasons about like I'm not going to go up that mountain. It, that would be a crappy way to go. I'm going to go around this mm-hmm. terrain, and there's a wall here. Mm-hmm. I can't go that way. I'm not just going to bang my head into it, right? Um, so it's a, a shortest path algorithm. You're trying to look for the shortest um, kind of path, path that you could take. The path from... of least resistance. Yeah, resistance, exactly. Right? The path yeah. of least resistance from point A to point B, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that, that algorithm is called A-star. It's called A-star pathfinding. It's in virtually every video game uh, that, we, that we play today that does pathfinding. And uh, mm-hmm. that algorithm is old as shit. It's so old. Um, <laughs> it's fast. And that's why the video game industry uses it. Um, and I think now we're kind of experimenting with with new. I shouldn't say I. I'm not in the video game industry, um, but <laughs> they are experimenting <laughs> with with kind of new algorithms for pathfinding and stuff like that. Um, just because we have more computing power available, but sure. at the same time, that computing power is now basically it's like a tug of war. Um, every single frame that you render um, in a video game. Some goes to audio, some goes to video, a lot goes to video, um, some goes to AI scripts, a lot goes in many, many different directions. Um, so in the end, you pretty much have the same to work with, so people just do A-star. <laughs> so it's a really, really old algorithm, like I think from like the 60s or I think 60s. I'd have to look that up, but it's really, really old and it's still in use today. People use it all the time. So that, that's, that's an example of AI, right? Good old Rosenblatt. Well, <laughs> yeah, he was doing neural networks. He wasn't doing um, A star. I can't remember the guy that did uh, A star. Gotcha. But um, okay, damn okay. it, Zach! Yeah. I'm the expert. Okay, we've already decided. Fair. <laughs> so, what? Knowing that now that I'm safe, at least from robots for now, for in the now. next twenty years. The next yeah, 20 yeah, for years. your entire lifespan, John. <laughs> what? Uh, what do you is one thing that you're most excited for um with ai that like within our lifespan that's that's a really interesting question if i don't have to worry about them killing me what are they going to do good for me i, I think aside from the japanese sex robots <laughs> i think I, I i'm most excited for the point where we start really mastering um, specialized AI. So I was talking about specialized AI being like, I'm really good at recognizing images or I'm really good at, mm-hmm. you know, doing the fretable problem where we're doing, you know, is the note on or off that sort of thing. And being mm-hmm. able to combine these so that there's kind of a multimodal, um, decision-making machine. So we're able to reason about mm-hmm. multiple different senses, I would say. I think that that's sure. really, really cool. And right now we're totally not at a point where, we're really doing that um Mm -hmm. so to be able to respond to audio input to have visual input and then really reason about those two things together i Mm -hmm. I think we're kind of at the the cusp of of going in that research direction but i don't think we've mastered the parts to be able to put them together yet and i think that that would be so so cool because that's starting to get into more general ai right Mm-hmm. being able to respond to a whole bunch of different stimuli around you mm-hmm. and make decisions about it. Um, so I think I'm most would... excited for that. I, I don't know if we're going to see that in our generation. I have no idea. Um, we're still at the point where, you know, cars aren't driving themselves. And um, yeah. actually Elon Musk uh, 
was I think on his Twitter or something like that. He's like, we really have to buckle down. The hardest issues we have is like uh, Walmart parking lots, <laughs> like crazy <laughs> shit environments, right? Like so many different things right. happening. Um, and, and, and really to be able to um, reason in that environment, you need so many different um, scenarios. Yeah. Like so many different um, senses. Like you, you need to be looking, you need to be listening, you need to be, cognizant of things around you right um yep. so it's really really tough it's not just looking at at video of a road and following a line which is essentially right. what what self-driving cars do right now right I'm, I'm oversimplifying for sure but whoa 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 johnny whoa calm down there boy here's a sugar cube guys it's july we need to talk about our sponsor audible Head over to audibletrial.com slash jumbled to get your free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. The book that we're going to talk about this month is A Polaroid Guy in a Snapchat World by David Spade. Narrated by David Spade, it's about six and a half hours long. This book In this book, uh, David Spade reflects on his SNL days and also talks about his life now through a series of takes such as why it's getting harder to date younger women, the dad life, and being the battle-tested vet on set. Whether he's talking about the far too easy task of breaking up via iMessage or feeding the trolls and losing online, when David displays his humor and filthy mind on being middle-aged, he's in a league of his own. This audiobook was created with Audible in mind. Pretty cool. They wrote it and they created it. Um, that And this was the end goal, to get on Audible. So, head over and find the new comedic memoir which will take you along for the sometimes embarrassing and always hilarious ride of getting older in our fleeting snapchat world guys that's the book if you want to listen to that great if you want to listen to something else hey cool just head over to audibletrial.com jumbled they got all the books like i've said before numerous times you guys know they've got so many books so you're gonna find something you like i guarantee it and we guarantee that you are going to like the rest of this episode. So let's get back to it. What, what are you guys I, I'm, I'm, for? I think there's a lot of, I mean, eventually, I've, I think there could be some medical benefit. Like, um, almost like a, like somewhat of a nurse. Maybe not like a doctor, but, <clears throat> but if you say you have like all these... If if you have equipment at your house that you're able to submit this data to a machine or they're able to, you know, view you through a webcam or, you know, with thermal technology or something like that, be able to take temperature and give you a potential diagnosis mm -hmm. or be able to pass that on to a doctor. I feel like that that's a that's a pretty cool step that could that I could see as being something that could happen potentially within our lifetime if it's if it's attainable that would be pretty neat I, I think that one actually is attainable I, I think we will totally see that in the not so distant future um so essentially you're, you're kind of describing like the star trek tricorder or something like that where you kind of do like a scan yeah. over the body um, sure sure yeah I, I don't know if it's going to be we'll probably need to be a little bit more invasive than just something mm -hmm. that just goes whoosh over your body no and, sure and i mean exactly yeah what's, like what's up um, take blood pressure or whatever yeah. i mean yeah but but I th we're actually totally at the point where there are researchers that are making essentially segmentation or classification on mammograms for example to look for mm -hmm. tumors 
um, in a lot mm-hmm. of different tissues um, and saying, hey, um, this area you should look at in more detail because we're, we're mm. 80% certain that there's probably some sort of cancerous growth there and you should probably check yeah. that out. So it's not meant mm. to replace a radiologist or a physician. It's more, sure. more an aid just you know, let's say the radiologist hasn't had his coffee in the morning and just needs, you know, a little <laughs> bit of attention to a certain part, right? Because um, sure, you know, we're sure. humans, we, we miss things, right? And so do machines, yeah. right? Um, probably because they just sure. haven't seen enough data yet. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's a good opportunity for those kind of people to work in tandem um, to really give mm-hmm. people the best care possible. Um, I, I know that there's uh, startups that are working on um, uh, cheap, um, ultrasound uh, AI mm. so that you can, for example, plug in uh, a little ultrasound component into your iPad and yeah. being able to say, hey, my, my knee's really sore. I, I don't know what the heck is going on with it, but I'm just going to pass it over my knee and be able to compare that to thousands and thousands of different data examples of normal knees Whoa. and be able to say, mm-hmm. yeah, there's an anomaly here or no, this looks normal. Um, mm. so really as a precursor for self-screening, um, to say, no, I, I probably don't need to go to the doctor and, and waste taxpayer resources when it's just something right. I just need to put up my, my knee for a little bit and, and chill out for a bit. Um, of course that's kind of dangerous if we mm. empower people to <laughs> use AI for decision-making for themselves and they're not experts. Right. Um, so for sure. example, WebMD like, is, guys, <laughs> you just described WebMD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I was exactly. I was gonna say WebMD. Um, that's took the words right out of my mouth, Johnny. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's America's healthcare plan, right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. I don't have. I don't have a personal care physician. I just do WebMD, and then you're your own personal care physician. You're always yeah. available. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yep. And I'm a massive hypochondriac, so we're good. <laughs> Perfect. We're good. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, hmm. Where did you? Where, what else should we know? Like, what would be? What's something that's on the cutting edge or about to break through or that you're hoping will break through? And then, what real world implication would it have? Hmm. Like, what's being worked on right now that us plebs don't know about? <laughs> I think whenever there is a giant breakthrough um, in machine learning or anything like that, it's so quickly publicized. Um, and, and a lot of times the the mathematical groundwork will break beforehand and then people get wind of it in the research community and just start building out applications of it that are, I guess, immediately consumable. Um, and then it gets super, super media attention. Because no, no media person cares about some mathematical paper. They just don't because it, it's so abstract. It, it has no tangible benefit to a, like a normal person, right? Um, it's more like the, the structure and the framework to actually build something amazing out of that. Um, so I, I, I don't know if I have like, um, like something that, that's super cutting edge that people don't really know about. Um, I think that that's one of the, the great benefits of our scientific framework right now is that, you know, people publish um, immediately when they have, you know, a, an amazing finding that's really going to impact someone instead of hoarding that that intellect and knowledge um, 
to uh, you know something that's not going to be used. Um, that's mm-hmm. why we have patents. Um, not that um, scientific ideas are always patented, um, mm-hmm. but but really it's it's putting your idea out there. Um, you're essentially letting everyone know what the idea is and exactly how it operates, but then protecting yourself, you know, through a patent, right? Um, mm-hmm. But but it, I I don't think it's like that. I I don't think it's um. I came up with a great discovery, and now uh, I'm just going to sit on it, and um, at least not in the scientific, you know, the research community. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm not really aware of anything. Hmm. Okay. What was th- something that you were excited to talk to us about regarding AI tonight? I, I was I was actually uh, most excited to talk about reinforcement learning. Um, it's not it's not my forte. I, like I have taken some courses in it and, and studied a bit at, at a graduate level uh, with reinforcement learning. I, I just think it's, it's a really, really novel idea um, and just like a really cool way of thinking about how to train machines. Um, you know, like thinking of them as humans. I, I think that that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and then probably Battlestar Galactica. I'm a huge Battlestar Galactica fan. <laughs> I freaking love that show. Uh, uh, I think my experiences with Battlestar Galactica. Are you ready? Yep. One, my dad loves Battlestar Galactica and made me watch it, the original, when I was a kid. Fucking hated it. <laughs> he made Two. you watch it, like glued your eyes open. Yeah, you watch this, John. You watch yeah, the Cylons. It's whipping me. No, he just, he just watched it all the time. So. And I, I just had this like a little aha moment about myself. Um, so I really hate rewatching anything more than once. Very few things in this world I will watch multiple times. The Office. Unless it's Deadpool. The Office, Deadpool, Band of Brothers. Oh, Band of Brothers. And Pro- Probably anything X-Men or Wolverine related, right? Uh, yeah, some Marvel. But even Marvel, like th- those are like two, two for me. I watched mm. Infinity War twice and was like, I don't need to watch this again. Yeah. You know? And it's Endgame, fair. the same. Very Endgame few was things that really I've long. Multiple times. Yeah. My dad, though, my dad has probably seen every Star Trek episode, every Battlestar Galactica episode, and every Stargate episode at least 10 times. Hey, your dad's a super nerd. I, he I really had is. no idea. He, he actually, I if I should have told you to talk to my dad about Battlestar Galactica, he would have went on some fucking tangent with you, and I never would have seen you guys the rest of the night. <laughs> fucking loves that show. So growing up watching what at the time I felt was really cheesy, two, playing Battlestar Galactica board game. Oh hell yeah, Pilchuck's house and getting to be the Cylon and fucking around with everyone, even though I wasn't actually the Cylon, I just made everyone <laughs> think I was. <laughs> I double crossed myself. Um, so that was enjoyable. That was a plus. And then three, I tried to watch the new Battlestar Galactica, and I just I think I just had such a bad taste that I couldn't couldn't get into it. Yeah, I think but, that that happens a lot with with TV series or something like that. When you get yeah. an initial thought about what something is and your sentiment towards it, and you just you can't go back to it. You can't readdress it. So yeah. I think I feel you there. Um, but you also, associate. Oh, so go ahead, Zach. No, I was I was gonna say uh, on that on that mm-hmm. same sort of line of thinking. I had a babysitter growing up, and 
and I like where this we, is going. No, well, she's an older <laughs> lady, and she had Even better. <laughs> she had way too many children at her residence, but experienced. Yes, uh, she would make us sit and watch her soap operas with with oh her. Oh my god, that just blow so, my brains out. Like sand yeah, so through I, the hourglass. These I, are the days. These are the days of our lives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I shit, you not. Um, I think I was talking to my mom about it because she used to watch those when I was a kid. And I remember mm-hmm. her watching those and just being miserable. <laughs> and this is how I'm convinced that robots exist or aliens exist <laughs> because all of those fucking people that were on that show when uh-huh. I was like 10 mm-hmm. are still on that show doing the exact same thing as the exact but, same characters. Well, but they've like, died about 14. Changed. They've died about four or five times. In yeah. That well, span. you need a vacation occasionally. And someone like <laughs> some of them are the evil clones, right? Yeah. Evil clones, yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. It's just amazing that that show is still motoring on. It is pretty amazing. Uh, um, also, your um, your board game strategy where you double cross yourself, I love doing that. It is my favorite thing to do. Just like throwing a I, little chaos there, you know, it's beautiful. I, I well, the reality is when we play board games, the chances of me like beating our friend Anto or Bobbly pretty low. So I just go straight wild card, and now I think I definitely got it from you just wild card just go just chaos i call it exploration like john exploit oh yes <laughs> more intellectual wild card <laughs> exploration so i'm fearful that we're making a name for ourselves in our little board game community of just being too uh, disruptive but well, it's it's a I do it all the time it's a, a differing of objectives right like anto's objective is win you've heard him before mm-hmm. he goes i like winning he says it all the That's time, it. right? And for me, I play board games to have fun. That's my objective, right? So I'm yeah, looking uh-huh. for strategies that are fun to me, not necessarily one that's going to win. And it, mm-hmm. like, if it does end up winning, so much the better. Um, but we, we were playing mm-hmm. this um, this Viking board game. I think Valhalla or, or something like that. I mean, that sounds pretty Viking. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the sure. whole point of the game, how you win the game in the eyes of the rule book, and how it was explained to me by Anto... Was um, you have to you have to get Vikings onto the board, and then you have to yeah. kill them off so that they go to Valhalla, like the Promised Land or whatever, <laughs> and they gain glory awesome. because you know they they died fighting and and you get victory points yeah. for all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I just want to build the biggest fucking army that I possibly can, <laughs> so that no one can put their new Vikings on the board, and I won. <laughs> completely broke the game just from just doing my own thing like it was so fu- i had so much fun my army was fucking huge no one was dying and no one wanted to to, to mess with me because my army was so massive so i just never yeah. fought anybody there's a similar strategy in monopoly where it's, you yeah, just buy four you buy four houses and you never upgrade to the hotel and you just deplete all you deplete all of the houses from the banker. Yeah, I've, and, I've heard of that strategy before. And, Apparently, it completely breaks the game. Like, Monopoly does, is yeah. not a game anymore with that strategy. But that's what it was designed... That's what the game was designed to teach you, and that's why that mechanic is in there. And why For it real. specifically says in the rule book you can't use any other marker um, or symbol to represent extra houses. Yeah, that the, the guy who invented Monopoly made it to be like, this is how bad our current 
like economy system will wow. be the capitalism. So yeah. it's a life learning tool. Dude, you you wanna you wanna like play play that game and piss everyone off? Just do that. Buy all the cheap properties. Don't buy utilities, don't buy trains, just buy all the cheap properties you can and start building the cheapest houses possible and just deplete all the houses. That's could you imagine being that guy that it's like nope, nope, consult the rule book, please. It says that's me. no markers. That is one hundred percent me when I play that game. <laughs> like, get like, rules. Fuck lawyered. you! You can only build what's in the box. You can yeah. only build what's in the box. It's true. Uh, the other one I like to do because uh, Al is really good at Settlers of Catan, and I fucking hate that game because I lost all the time. And then we also played a lot with her, her and her sister, like me, her and her sister, and they would always team up on me, whether intentionally or not. We haven't decided that fully. <laughs> Um, so I just stopped playing the game for a long time because it was just pointless. And then, you know, Al kind of bugged me and I had some more friends that wanted to play. And I was like, fine, I'm going to play. And I become a sheep farmer, more lovingly called a goat farmer because yep. that's what I call them, goats. And I just get all of the goats. That's my only objective and just like ruin the entire economy. Yeah, yeah. You're depleting. You're making it sheep yeah. high value, which in the game, maybe, maybe not... Maybe not so much. No. And it drives Allie nuts. But now when we do that, I'm just like, fuck it. I want all of the goats. Well, there's actually a lot of games like that where that is a strategy. Like if you, it's it's called like min-max, I guess in, in AI, where you're trying to maximize um, your reward, but you're also trying to minimize everyone else's reward. So it's like a constant yeah. battle between, do I do a move that's really good for me? Or do I do a move that's really shitty for my opponent? Right. Because you're trying to throw them off their game, and that's that's a strategy, right? Yeah, that, that's how the early um, so uh, chess solvers worked. <laughs> they were all min max trees, so like looking at what what's the best action that I can take that also minimizes my opponent's reward. That's basically how they wasn't worked. there. It, 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 I'm sure this is AI. There is a computer system that beat like a chess champion back in like the yeah. It was a Ka- I say, Kasparov, I think. So yeah, uh, it was something yeah. blue. Uh, was the name yeah. of it? I can't recall. It was something blue. But <clears throat> along those lines, that's, I like. I'm sort of worried about like for a lot of these games are going to like um electronic like so like monopoly has their own games so you play against the computer is the computer going to constantly get smarter and smarter through these repetitious actions and learn how to play the game better because it <laughs> it's a computer you know yeah so if you think about it um computers can go through simulations so much faster than humans can um you can yeah. actually a way that a lot of these are trained, especially for games where there's really strict constraints over what can be done um, in, in your mm-hmm. action space in the game, um, you actually put one AI against another AI and they just duke it out and they learn from mistakes that, that one person made randomly, perhaps, or mm-hmm. stuff that they're trying mm-hmm. to exploit a certain strategy, just like humans do, right? Like they go into a game right. being like, so all right, fuck with each other? I'm going to do sheeps. That's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a deficit of sheep in the game and it's on a, you know, screw up the economy and 
that'll be the one strategy. And then the other AI goes, all right, how do I try and minimize that strategy? And how do I, how do I beat that strategy? And one time it might lose because it, you know, whatever it tried didn't work. And the next time maybe it does better. So it learns how to deal with that strategy. If you think about humans, it takes so long to go through simulations. Um, yeah. Whereas a computer can just be like, all right, I'm done. Uh, I went through all those actions. Yeah. It went, took those actions and it sucks. I'm not going to do that again. Right. Um, yeah. So it's just like really, really fast, um, fast feedback, I would say. Whereas human feedback is kind of slow. Like we actually have to go through all the steps and, and stuff in, in real yeah. time. Right. Yeah. And there's a lot of thought about. Um, so there, there's a reinforcement learning algorithm that's exactly that. Um, it's called Q learning. Um, and essentially, it it acts online and offline. Online being I'm taking actions in my world in real time and I'm learning about them. And then it goes offline and it's essentially right. sleeping. So hmm. there's kind of like a philosophical argument about sleep. Like why, why do we sleep, right? Hmm. Um, and yeah. a lot of people think that we sleep because it's a way for us to reason about our world and take, um, take actions that maybe we wouldn't normally take and learn from them and kind of reflect on mm. things that we've done in the past and, and really learn about that. And then we can use that information um, in, in our online world, right? So we're, we're not going to make that sure. same mistake that we made in our dream because it's a pretty shitty outcome. Uh, um, so a lot of people think sure. that that's why we dream. Um, and then... That makes yeah. sense. But, but no one really knows why we dream. Um, we're just kind of you know, pondering thoughts about why that biological process happens right and we like we have some ideas about why it happens right um so q learning again takes that biological process and tries to integrate that into you know an ai learning tool right like let's put sleep in there Mm -hmm. human sleep let's put the ai to sleep and and think about possible scenarios and stuff like that um so that's that's another really like everything mirrors biology I would say now the more I'm reflecting on it, um, which is pretty interesting, actually. Is yeah. that just because we, we're creating it? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, we what we understand. We're just basing it off of what we exactly. know. Exactly. Like that, that's what we understand. Yeah. We're, we're in our own shell. We're in our mind. We, we think we know what we're doing. Um, to some extent we do, to some extent we don't. Right. Um, and we kind of I never know how mistakes. we, re- yeah, John doesn't make mistakes. Um, <laughs> and w- when we do make mistakes, we learn from them. So we would kind of expect a machine to do the same thing. Right. Um, and, and we know how we teach our offspring. Right. That's one, one thing that, that we've done for generations is pass knowledge on from, from, you know, ancestors down to, to children in the new generation. Right. Otherwise the human race is screwed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Joe Rogan episode yeah. and he's always talking about what do humans do? He's like, all we do is make better shit. Nothing is ever status quo is never enough. We just make better shit. That's all that humans do, right? Make tools, not yeah. good enough. Improve the tools, better tools. Um, and, and to every extent, like he's totally correct. That's, that's what we do. Like we're, we're, we're never satisfied with the, the way things currently are we always want more money we always want better everything um and the way to do that is to teach the next generation um where to pick off pick up with that knowledge um but one kind of philosophical question that i always get to whenever i start thinking about that is are we ever going to get to a point in in human knowledge 
where there's so much knowledge to get to the the edge, uh, the cusp of human knowledge that we can't actually learn that in a lifetime. And the human race just mm. stagnates because we actually can't get to that point. It's way too much knowledge for a human to learn in their lifetime. Um, sure. And w- based on like traditional learning. Based on traditional learning methods. Like unless we get a matrix thing going on where we just plug in yeah. and learn Kung Fu instantly. I, I, like, I, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe yeah. <laughs> I, I think that um, I, I think we'll, we'll probably nuke ourselves before we get to that point. But yeah. Um, so, uh, so what you're what you're getting at is we're sort of dependent on computers at this point to to do some legwork for us. Yeah, I, I think if there's um, like some shortcuts um, in that in that tree of knowledge that that we need to learn to get to the very forefront of knowledge, so that we can begin even progressing that in in a new generation mm-hmm. of of researchers mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, I think that there's probably going to be some corners that need to be cut or some fundamentals. Um, that that kind of need to be removed from certain program streams. So I, th- I think like mm-hmm. things are going to need to be way less general. There's going to be a math person, right? There's going to be um, a computing scientist, like right from birth. Um, like that's the only way you're going to be able to to get right to the edge of human knowledge is if you start training very very specialized um, from a very young age, and, and to some extent mm-hmm. that's the way our our, our economy and our, our social system has kind of been going where we're very much specializing mm-hmm. as a human species, right? Like, I, I don't know how to be a commercial fisherman, mm-hmm. but I ate fish, right? Like, so I, I don't care. Someone else has got that and I don't need to bother myself right. with it, right? Someone else knows right. physics. I, I don't really know physics. Uh, I know the, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the equation for a pendulum. That's it, right? Um, right. So I, I just kind of trust that other humans have my back and I'm going to be able to eat sushi tomorrow. You know what I mean? Um, so we're, we're very much specializing uh, as a species. Um, and, and I think it's even going to be worse like we'll hit, as we go on. Do you think we'll hit that capacity even with that specification like lines? Like what do you mean? Well, you said that we would hit you. We would not be able to learn every, all of the knowledge in a lifetime. Well, obviously that would exist now from like true could if i pump out a baby can i teach it everything there is to know in the world before it dies yeah i would say probably probably i would say not. probably not so i i think we're at that stage but I, I just mean like um like to get to the very edge of human knowledge in a particular field and so for example like music so computing science. specialization in a specialization yeah, yeah. um because that's where i think we're really limited like, I, I think the way that we've structured our society is because we have reached that problem where we can't teach everyone to be a master of everything um, mm-hmm. or else we'd be, you know, really shitty at many different things. So we, we've kind of specialized, right? Like everyone has their thing. They That's their contribution to society, yeah. right? Um, so we've very much gotten to that point already. So my point was even on a very specialized track, um, what if we can't get to the edge of human knowledge, right? Okay, yeah. And that's that's kind of a a really frightening thought for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I I was talking to Kelly, uh, my wife, about this, and she's just like, "That's." It was right before bed. She was she was half sleeping, <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like lying awake, freaking the fuck out. And I'm like, "What if we? <laughs> what if we can't <laughs> reach the edge of human knowledge anymore, Kelly?" <laughs> Then she just told me to go to bed. 
It's it's the little uh, things that keep us up at night. Those right? are the things that keep you up yep. at night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Wouldn't there just be sub specializations? Like that's how we would it would just that tree it would just keep cascading. I I think so. Like I think that and I think to some extent we've already sort of done that. Like within the field of yeah, physics there's we're just constantly you know, doing it astronomy and there's like a whole bunch of different subspecializations and i think we're even then a subspecialized beyond that and keep having this this whole hierarchy of of different subspecializations i, I think that's totally gonna happen um yeah and, and i think it's like definitely gonna happen in our lifetime what's gonna be really interesting is to the point where we're putting our kids through school and you as a parent kind of need to predetermine what their path is going to be like, are you going to be a scientist? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be, um, like, in social studies? Are you going to be, uh, you know, an art major? Yeah. Because you can't right. you can't really learn everything. Maybe, maybe there's a year of, this like... some commie shit you're talking about right now. What's that? I said, this is some commie shit you're talking about right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't you see so, the hammer and sickle flag on my, on my wall, John? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so, if... Did we just disprove that your greatest fear that night can never happen if it's the rule of halves, right? If you keep splitting something in half, do you ever get to zero? And so if knowledge is branching off to other specializations, then we'll never reach that peak. Because like for an example, at some point, math was literally simple addition and subtraction right Mm -hmm. but now you can be an expert in you know geometry or an expert in calculus right Mm -hmm. like and those might not overlap i'm not a math guy obviously but so like we just keep branching down into Mm -hmm. smaller and smaller trees so then you never really hit that peak because you're just getting more and more and more specialized so your biggest fear is not a big deal. Don't worry about it. I, worry that was, about the fucking robots. That was the most concise counter argument. Uh, I'm gonna be. I'm sleeping soundly tonight, John. <laughs> <laughs> Resident expert. Boom boom. Not just a pretty face. That's actually that's an amazing <laughs> counter argument. Um. So my my counter argument to that counter argument was what happens when you split in half, and then even that half becomes not enough to learn in a human lifetime. But then you just split that in half. Um, I, I guess it comes mm. down to whether the, the halves amount to anything uh, worthwhile. There you go. <laughs> you got you to define what, you know, what sure. the knowledge caps are. True. You have to. True. Interesting. But I think, um, like. So we're both right and we're both I wrong. I think so. I think so. I hope you sleep horribly tonight. <laughs> Um, oh, so even the ways that that we've taught um, the next generation has totally changed over the course of the years. Like it used to be a mentorship model because you know there was less people on this earth, right? So you you would just have a mentor, and they would be an expert in whatever you're learning. So whether it's blacksmithing, you would go to the blacksmith, they would take mm-hmm. on a protege, and they would teach you everything they know, and then you practice and get even better than they were. And it just keeps getting passed down and passed down. 
And now we have this very assembly line mentality towards education just because we have so many people, right? Um, and that's completely changed. So I kind of wonder how education is going to change in the future. Like, how, how are we going to be teaching people? Um, mm. or, or, you know, will AI just, you know, completely Do make everything? us obsolete? Who knows? Turn us into batteries? That's <laughs> a, a rather <laughs> pessimistic view. Okay, let's yeah. be honest. We are the biggest assholes creatures on this planet and whatever we create is just going to be the worst of all of us so it only makes sense that if you can dominate something you will right yeah yeah i think that that's human nature that's how humans got to where we are so so, as long as again we make sure the robots we stop making robots with fucking legs and arms and they're Mm -hmm. all plugged into a wall we'll be we should give them mermaid fins No man, that will, that mermaid will still come and fuck you up. I'm not, I'm not messing with no hybrid robot. No, well, animal well we thing. primarily live on land, right? So even if even That's if true. they do get to a point where they're sentient and turn on us, they're just gonna like flop around like a fish until they get to the ocean, or maybe and then they'll short circuit. Or maybe they, or maybe they, the maybe they learn how to do the worm. Oh shit! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then they just, they become really great at traveling oh my God. I'm gonna have the via worst the worm. Nightmares. You, the worst nightmares. Could you imagine a robotic mermaid just doing the worm towards you really, really fast? <laughs> That's no. a nightmare right there, dude. Just a, just a we drop We should write a movie right about this. This is trademarked. Oh. Calling it right now. Trademarked. <laughs> We're writing a movie about this. I love it. I love it. God damn it, Greg. Now I need to upgrade my bedside firearm from 9 mil to 308 because oh fucking robot mermaids are coming I remember after the first me. time walking into your room and I turn I turn my head and there's I'm look literally looking down the barrel of a shotgun. Like a sawed off shotgun on a mount on your wall. The most terrifying moment of my life. I'm I, I feel like Yeah, I feel like Johnny sleeps within I don't know. In a ten foot radius, there's probably about five, six firearms. Maybe. Oh, absolutely. In, inside this room where I am right now, yes, there are. <laughs> <laughs> you can yeah. see my safe right there. <laughs> oh yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Uh, all right, Greg. So we are officially at an hour four minutes. Is there anything that you want to say? Anything you want to do to sort of tie this up, button it up? Uh, send us on our way, man. Bring and, uh, feel free, feel free to shout out Fredible too. I, yeah. I, I talked about Fredible. Uh, it's Fredible dot com for any musicians out there. Give it a try. Uh, you play your audio into it. It writes out notes and sheet music for you and stuff like that. Um, my closing note is: bring on the robotic mermaids. God damn it, Greg! <laughs> Fuck you! Okay, I love it. Before we sign off, you got to participate in our jumbled survey. Yes. Okay. It's really simple. It's one question. And the yeah. question is, based on this picture I'm about to show you, was I assaulted by Santa Claus? <laughs> uh, you certainly look very happy. Um... <laughs> look at that hand and answer don't, the question. Don't lead, don't lead the guest. All right, the guest needs to make make his own call on this one. Oh, I have to decide. 
Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You have Can to I decide. See the picture again? Did it's he a, or did he not get get sexually assaulted by Santa Claus? I, I can't really see um, Santa's pelvic region. If look, well, it doesn't leading, have to include the pelvis. The witness, right? But look where that hand it's is. It's pretty low. <laughs> it, it's low, especially. He's got sort of a Ninja Turtle-like configuration to to his hand. Um, so the, the pinky is, is going quite far south um, to a point where it, it's it's certainly questionable. It, look where my zipper line is. Look where my zipper line is. Oh, oh it was in the 90s. It was high pants. Uh, yeah. Do a little bit a of little a bit of DJ diddling ring pinky. On. A little ring ring pinky yeah. combo. All right. Yes or no. I'm sorry, John. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one on the yeah tally. Yeah. I, I would seek Johnny, I feel so like this far. is gonna be lopsided, man. I feel so like you just <laughs> you, you just want you want people to know that it happened. You're just a you're raising awareness on on Santa Claus abusers. No, I'm, yeah, well, that is probably a legitimate concern, and I'm gonna look into that thoroughly. Um, but it's more about when we first brought it up. My mom was so offended. <laughs> Why was she offended? <laughs> She's like, you didn't get assaulted by Santa Claus, like. <laughs> Cause she probably brought him there. He's like, Mom, look at this fucking picture. <laughs> Mom, look at his let him, pinky. <laughs> let him right into the into the rape layer. So, um, oh, you know, man. I believe in science, and the best science that I can do to prove this is a survey. Yep. <laughs> I love that's, this survey, and I'm I'm loving I'm loving the results. So that's far. the weirdest survey I've ever heard. <laughs> And and to what end? Like what what happens at the end of yeah. this? You know, well, I don't know. I got to find this Santa and kill him. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you want me to do? Say to what that? others have done? There's unto nothing you, you can John. do. I don't want to touch Santa that way. That's weird. You might get more presents, John. Ooh. Maybe. Well, have you been naughty case, or have you been real you, naughty? <laughs> Back payments. Yep. Uh, all right, Greg. Thank you so much for coming on this episode. You know, I had this moment when you were talking about a lot of science and the different kinds of AI, where I was like, "This is a jumbled record. We have not mentioned dicks once yet." And as I was about <laughs> to say this, you went you went into the hot dog, no hot dog, and I was like, "There it is." <laughs> well, you know, I, I am your long term friend. It's so, true. Uh, like-minded in, yes. in many ways absolutely yeah, yeah. uh anyways thank All you right. so much for coming on um you're welcome anytime uh, yeah. everyone check out fredible i hope you guys like this episode if you have more questions uh for greg feel free to send them to me and uh i'll i'll bug greg about them um, yeah. but anyways zach take it away all right, Greg, we're just going to do a quick a quick sign out here, so just hang on. I try to make it quicker every time. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, if you guys enjoy this episode, please leave us a, uh, a rating, a review on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing so we can, uh, we can improve um, or, you know, make changes, good or bad, whatever whatever you guys like just let us know uh follow us on all social media at jumbled podcast if you got any questions uh send them via email to uh jumbled at gmail.com or johnny.jumbled at gmail.com 
And uh, want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Audible. Head over to audibletrial.com slash jumbled and get your free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. Support us over at Patreon, patreon.com slash jumbled. And uh, just keep listening wherever you are. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody you know about Jumbled. We want to keep growing this uh, growing this podcast, and we, uh, we count on you guys to do a little bit of the legwork, too. So thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we will see you guys next week for another episode of Jumbled, your favorite podcast. About robot mermaids taking over the fucking world. <laughs> it's going to happen, man. We know it. God damn it. <laughs> I have a new phobia to add to the list. Yeah. We'll see you guys. God damn it. I'm not going to sleep tonight because of that.